Pastor Xavier Reese, and the kingdom to come. And in that day, the millennial kingdom, there shall be a root of Jesse, he reinforces it again now, who shall stand as a banner for the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. The nations and people of the world will come to Jesus for consultation and instructions. They will come to the holy city. God rules the earth. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Many are on a quest for the perfect place, the perfect government. Some refer to it as utopia. Does such a place exist? Well, today, as he continues his study through the book of Isaiah, our teacher, Pastor Xavier, takes us on a journey to such a place. So get ready and open up your Bible for today's important study. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 10, and the message is entitled, The Kingdom to Come. And here in chapter 11, we have the classic example as Isaiah reminds Israel of the future millennium when all will be restored and Messiah will reign on the earth. Isaiah describes the millennial kingdom by three characteristics. First, the person of Messiah, verse 1 and 2. Second, the perfect justice of Messiah, in verse 3 through 5. And then thirdly, the peace in the reign of Messiah, in verse 6 through 10. The day is the rule of Jesus Christ in the thousand-year reign upon the earth. It is literal. It is future. It will happen. Notice first in verse 1, the promise of Messiah is unwavering. There shall come forth a rod. The main focus is that the Messiah would come. There shall come forth a rod. The metaphor of rod is used in two ways by Isaiah, for an instrument of judgment and an instrument of blessing. Assyria, in the previous chapter, verse 24 was the instrument of God who would be used to strike Israel with a rod to chasten and judge his people. Then God would turn around and judge Assyria, verses 3 and 34 of chapter 10. Listen, I wonder how often God has used more wicked nations to judge the nations that have turned their back on God in history. Now notice the Messiah would be the instrument of God in contrast the rod or the shoot, who would be used to bless Israel in the future. You can't miss the sharp contrast from the previous chapter of the rod to chasten, now the rod to bless. Context. Now notice, the Messiah's origin would be from the stem of Jesse. The word stem literally means the stock or trunk of the family of David. The metaphor of a stem is for the Davidic dynasty that had been without royal power for nearly 600 years. You remember that God promised David he was going to build him a house, and Nathan said, go ahead, do what you want. Then God told Nathan, go back and tell him you spoke out of place. You know, tell him that he can because he's a man of war and he has blood on his hands, and he can't do it. But I will build him a house. Now notice the Messiah's identity is said to be a branch that shall grow out of his roots, stem of Jesse. The word branch, Nesser, signifies vital life, and is the same Hebrew root for one of the names of Jesus, the Nazarene 
in Matthew 2.23, the fulfillment of him. The branch was to be the Lord's servant, Zechariah 3.8 says. My servant, the branch, Jesus. The branch would be the last Adam who would redeem the fallen human race. Romans 5.12 says that very, very clear. The branch is identified by John as the line of the tribe of Judah of the root of Jesse, the root of David, who has prevailed in Revelation 5.5 and 22.16. Listen, Jesus is the red thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation. But if you're a non-believer, you are colorblind to that red thread. You must be born again for God to activate your spiritual color to see the red thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation. It's one that comes by faith and the work of the Spirit of God. This is the person of Messiah. He's the focus. Notice, secondly, the perfect justice of Messiah. Verse 3 through 5. First of all, in verse 3, his delight is in the fear of the Lord. This is a little different than what we just covered. His delight refers to the pleasure of the Son, which honors and glorifies the Father, describing the manner by which he will rule during the millennial kingdom. His delight also refers here in those who fear the Lord, evident by their lives. So it's in fear of the Lord that he administrates, and it is in those that he delights who fear the Lord. It's both subjective and objective. His eyes go to and fro even now, looking for a man to show himself strong, does he not? God wants to use you, men. In a way that you have no idea. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to make you a light. Every day of your life. Notice secondly. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes. Nor decide by the hearing of his ears. The problem with man's judgment is that he is so flawed. That at times even tainted by his Hearing and seeing, it's impaired. His senses are impaired, lacking the ability to make righteous judgment or correct judgment. Because we, 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 we are sometimes get carried away by the person who's making the appeal, by their attitude, their, the, whether they're good-looking or not. And sometimes the information is not correct, and sometimes I haven't asked all the questions. And so there's always that danger. We're dealing with flawed men. There are many innocent men and women in prison. I don't think a whole bunch, like a lot of people think, but there are some. Jesus will not depend upon the eye, not upon the ear. Jesus is not like man, fallen and limited. He is God and infinite, knowing all things. Sharp contrast. Notice thirdly, in verse 4 there. He shall judge the poor with righteousness and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. The implication being that on the earth now, the poor are slighted in the judicial systems. But in the millennial kingdom, all will be given their just due. He will know who really is humble, the meek of the earth, implying literally that it is a literal reign, not symbolic. He will reign on the earth and we with him. And that day... There will be no injustices, thank God. So many injustices go on today. 
Notice fourthly, he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Now, as the Eastern book does, he's given us a millennial kingdom, how he's going to rule, and all of a sudden he goes back now to give us detail of what happens prior to setting up the kingdom. Information. Eastern book. Not a Western book. It's not in chronology. He will strike the earth with his wrath during the Great Tribulation. Revelation 6 to 19. The first three and a half years, peace and safety, false peace and safety. The Antichrist appears. Israel makes a covenant with him. Daniel 9, 27. They will hail him. He'll have solution for the whole world. He will build the temple for them. In the middle of that seven years, three and a half years, Matthew 24, 15, the abomination of desolation, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he goes into the temple, declares himself God, and commands that everybody worship him. He gives the mark of the beast to all to buy, sell, everything else. The wrath of God is poured out. It's very clear. Revelation 19, 6 through 19. Notice he will strike and destroy the armies of the Antichrist too, it tells us during that time. In the book of Revelation, the world will be gathered in the battle of Armageddon there at the valley of Megiddo to stop Jesus from setting up his kingdom. Revelation 19, 11 through 21 gives us that scenario. He comes on his thigh as written, word of God, word of truth. King of kings, Lord of lords. We come back with him, the armies. That's the only time you'll find me on a horse. When we come back and we will fight the battle of Armageddon, Jesus will go forth with a sword from his mouth and he will destroy them. So a little preview. Little bit of information in the chronological order before the millennial takes place. Now notice fifthly here. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist, verse 5 says. He is the glorified Christ, pictured in Revelation chapter 1. Glorified in heaven, white hair, wise, gold, fire at his feet, in the midst of his churches, seeing, hearing, controlling, everything, warning, I'm coming. My reward is with me. I come quickly, suddenly, unexpectedly. He is the epitome of holiness and cannot act contrary to it. The heavens are not pure in his sight, Job 15, 15 says. He is the heavenly high priest prefigured in the Old Testament book of Exodus. He is our high priest today making intercession for us, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 on down, that we go to him daily to find grace and mercy in time of need. He is the fulfillment and antitype of Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, king of peace, that first appears in Genesis 14, 18 through 20, where he came out to meet Abraham as he brought back his, his nephew Lot and recovered all of his stuff from Sodom and Gomorrah, and he blessed him. Psalm 110, verse 4. Hebrews 7, Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Justice, perfect. In the millennial kingdom, Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Revelation 20 gives us the whole depiction of the millennial kingdom, real detail, okay? The Old Testament gives us parts. We have it all together there, not in its complete composite, but really detailed there. And Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years in order that he not deceive the nations any longer. Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3 tells us. Now, the saints will reign with Jesus, you and I. This is the first resurrection, Revelation 20, verse 4 through 6. Paul said 
Do you not know, Corinthians, that you will judge the world and angels in 1 Corinthians 6, 2 through 3? Now, we're not going to judge the good angels, the bad ones, of course. And we're going to be judging on the earth during that thousand-year reign. In fact, the thousand-year reign, let me be as bold as to say that that is our honeymoon. We go through the marriage up of the Lamb, we come back for a thousand-year honeymoon. How would you like that? Pretty good. And you know what? Our groom's going to spoil us. We will be given power over the nations to rule with a rod of iron, as was stated to the overcomers of the church of Thyatira in Revelation 2.27. At the end of the thousand years, Christ will bring about the thousand year to a close. And the last rebellion will take place. Satan will be released from the bottomless pit. He will go through the nations, deceiving them once again, and they will once again come in the last rebellion against the holy God and the holy city, and fire will come down and consume them. Revelations 20, verse 7 through 10. Because you see, understand, that when we come back with Jesus to set up the kingdom, Matthew 25, we first judge the nations, the sheep and the goats. The sheep are allowed to enter and populate. Israel repopulates. Sin will be present still, sin nature. People will have children. Just like we're doing right now. But you and I are kings and priests. We're reigning. And so there will still be sinners produced during the millennial kingdom by those who occupy it. And at the end, all you need to do is let the lion out of the cage, Satan, and he deceives them all. The white throne judgment follows at the end. After that rebellion... For all those who have ever rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Revelation 11 through 14 and chapter 20 there. Christ is the judge, for the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgments to the Son, that all should honor the Son, even as he honors the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. John 5, 22 and 23. He's a judge. Not Buddha, not Allah, not Hare Krishna or anybody else. Jesus Christ. All are judged according to their works, not for a second opportunity. Verse 12 and 13 are very, very clear. There's no such thing as purgatory, no such thing as limbo. You are saved or you're lost. When you die, you seal your eternity. No second opportunity. Those who come before the white throne judgment are there to be judged according to their works. In fact, verse 14 tells us that death and Hades will be cast in the lake of fire, which is the second death. Not all who are found written in the book of life, they will be cast there. So death, hell is cast in there, and the lake of fire exists right now. Matthew 25, 41 says that hell was made for no one but Satan and his angels. And yet trillions and billions of people will be there because they rejected Jesus Christ. God has not sent them there. They've sent themselves by rejecting Jesus Christ. The decision must be made prior to to your death. No second opportunity. This is the perfect justice of Messiah. We're going to see that. It'll go right on, Lord. Right on. Perfect. And notice thirdly, the peace in the reign of Messiah, verse 6 to 10. The wolf also dwell with the lamb, the leopard lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion, the fattening together, and the little child will lead them. That great? <laughs> the curse of the fall will be lifted on the animal kingdom and it will return to the Adamic state back in Eden. 
The animals will no longer be fierce enemies of each other, but docile companions even of man, so that a child will lead them. This goes back to Genesis 1, 26 and 28, where God created everything the way it's supposed to be. Genesis 9, 2, after the fall, then there was fierceness between animals and man. That was the curse. Psalm 1, 8 tells us that. Paul tells in 1 Corinthians 15, 25 through 28, and Hebrews 2, 5 through 9, that we don't see all things as of yet under his feet, but one day they will be put under his feet. The curse is here. Notice secondly, verse 7, the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. That'll be something. The carnivorous animal will become herbivorous. Thirdly, verse 8, the nursing child shall play with the cobra's hole. The weaning child shall put his hand in the viper's den. Amazing. The poisonous states will no longer be a threat even to a nursing child. Now, I see different documentaries down under the Aussies. Over, they have some weird little spiders. I mean, these things are poisonous. And they just, they walk in and they just lay there looking up with their prongs. They're just waiting for somebody to come by. And they kill you in five minutes. You're done. And that day, none of this will exist. The snake, though, will still crawl on its belly all the days of his life, and he does. Isaiah 65, 25 says, talking about the kingdom. It's the only thing that's not reversed. Why? Because the snake was the instrument of the fall. It's the only thing that's never reversed. That is interesting. Why did he give us that detail? Notice fourthly, verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The whole nature... And the whole of the world will be completely restored and submissive to the lordship of Jesus on the earth's millennial kingdom. We don't see that now. The entire earth will be permeated by the rule of righteousness and presence of Jesus as the oceans cover the earth. There's the simile. There is the comparison. We can identify water surrounds all the earth. It is two-thirds water. And we better thank God for that. Otherwise, we'd be crispy critters. God will rule. He will be here. Literally, you and I will be there with him. No one will be able to enter without his approval. The judgment of the nations, Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. No one will get away with anything. No one will be ignorant of his will. Oh, I didn't know. Shut up. You try that on the next policeman that pulls you over for a ticket. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, really? Oh, well, that's different. Okay. <laughs> you have a driver's license? You're responsible. You have life? You breathe? You're responsible to your creator. Notice last year. And in that day, he emphasized at the close what he's talking about. That day, the millennial kingdom. There shall be a root of Jesse. He reinforces it again now who shall stand as a banner for the people, or to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. The nations and people of the world will come to Jesus for consultation and instructions. He's already told us that in chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And that day they'll come, and he will teach all. They will come to the holy city. You and I, as kings and priests, we will be ruling. We will come in. Zechariah tells us that those who do not come will not receive rain. Zechariah 14, 17. The Feast of Tabernacles will be celebrated. The only feast that's celebrated still in the Millennial Kingdom. The ingathering. The holy month of the Jews. 
the day of Yom Kippur. Glorious will be. Why? Simple. Emmanuel is with us. God with us. God rules the earth. Listen to Job. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Is that your cry? Job 19, 25 through 27. Now, there are basically three views of millennialism. And there are a lot of variations, but just to simplify things, you have post-millennialism, which taught around the 12th to the 16th century that there would be a period of spiritual prosperity and peace for the church on earth, and it would bring in the intervention of Christ in the power of the Spirit, but not in bodily advent. Okay? Now, I don't know who teaches that anymore. I'm sure there's somebody out there. Then there's amillennialism, which teaches that the present church age is the reign of Christ. This was made popular by Augustine, the Catholic uh, monk and scholar, making the thousand-year symbolic. And so Rome had to change its theology after the thousand years because Christ hadn't returned. You know what I mean? The kingdom wasn't over. But she still holds that she's the head, and she rules in place of Christ. It is a literal kingdom. If this is a kingdom, God help us. Man, what hope is that? The third view is premillennialism, which teaches the literal thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth, and his church will reign with him. This is what Isaiah is teaching. This is what we believe. You also cross over Isaiah 65, and again, the full detail in Revelation 20. Listen to Isaiah in Isaiah 65, 17 through 20. Listen, this is the millennium. In that day, Isaiah tells us, For behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered to come uh, or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing, and her people as a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall be no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days. No, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be a curse. So a child will die. Oh, he died young, 100 years old. Oh, <laughs> how interesting. There will never be lasting peace on this earth until the Prince of Peace reigns on the earth. We should do everything to live, live peaceably with all men, as much as possible with us. But let's not deceive ourselves. Peace is not for man. He's evil, self-centered, violent. All we have to do is look to our streets, look to our homes, look to our television programs. This is the peace in the reign of Messiah. Good stuff coming. You plan on being there? Do you believe it? 
Have you made provisions? Isaiah has described the millennial kingdom by these three characteristics. The person of Messiah. The perfect justice of Messiah. And the peace and the reign of Messiah. I hope you're there. I've already made my reservations. I hope you have. Pastor Xavier Reese, recapping the highlights of the millennial kingdom to come. Today's important message, The Kingdom to Come, is available for only $4. We can send you a copy on CD. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is The Kingdom to Come, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And don't forget to join us next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 